This episode is brought to you by Intuit, the technology platform that brings financial confidence with products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. You might have learned the recorder in school, but probably not how to navigate the financial world. Luckily, Intuit's on a mission to help with the free Intuit for Education program. It provides students with the lessons to learn essential skills, like how to build credit, file taxes, and budget. Check out their free resources at intuit.com education. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Milt, your new book is called The End of the World. Now, can you tell us when it's going to be or do we have to buy the book? And hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this powerful podcast. <laughs> oh, you put it all into that, didn't you? Yeah. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this powerful podcast. Think of me as the Mandalorian to Dave's Grogu, the child. He's small and green and I never take my helmet off. Yeah, nailed it again. <laughs> the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, we will often drift off and talk about things completely unrelated to those sequels, movies in general, and sometimes just life. We also have to mention we do delve a little bit into spoilers. So if we mention a film you haven't seen and you don't want it spoiled, just skip that part and come back and we'll probably be talking another film you don't want to know about and skip that part but you get you get the drift we sometimes spoil movies but mostly are old yeah don't skip too much yeah you'll you'll regret it it's a great podcast because coming up on today's episode is the brilliant danny wallace danny is i mean does danny need an introduction and also if i list all the things he does we're going to be here all day but essentially danny wallace has a brilliant is a brilliant broadcaster journalist comedian writer actor just everything. Uh, he has got a brilliant podcast, the Monatomy Podcast. Great. Uh, he's a wonderful uh, show on XFM, Radio X. I keep calling it XFM, but it's Radio <laughs> X now yeah. on a Sunday morning. Danny Wallace's important broadcast. He is the the voice of the movies that made us on Netflix. He is the narrator of that show. He's just he's done everything. He's he wrote Yes Man. And then, then was in the movie Yes Man. Uh, yeah, he's done loads of stuff. He's done loads of stuff. To Dave Gorman. He started his own country for goodness sake. You know, he's he's done everything. He's yeah, he's done everything. And we're very excited to sit down with uh, Danny and chat all things sequels with him. These are Danny Wallace's unequal sequels. Enjoy. What was the first sequel that you got excited about? Do you remember that? Oh, um, yes, I do. The first sequel I got excited about, I think it was when I discovered that there were so many Police Academy films. I was like, hang on, what? I, I watched the first one and I thought, well, this is, you know, they've reached the, the peak of uh, Hollywood here. This is absolutely marvellous. Um, Carrie Mahoney, the the whole setup, the, the crazy police captain. You had, um, everyone had a favourite character. That was the great thing about Police Academy. It was just like a sketch troupe doing all their stuff. And then I discovered there was a Police Academy 2 and a three and a four. Um, and then there was Ski Academy. There was Combat Academy. Anything with an academy, no matter how bad it was. And some of them weren't great. They sort of just took that thing. But, um, yeah, for, for me and, you know, the early days of VHS when, you know, you could, you could do that. Actually, that reminds me, the first person who ever had a video recorder was my friend Jamie's dad. And we, I, it was magic. I, I didn't understand what was happening. I went round to his house. It was a Saturday morning, and he had a Star Wars film 
And he was able not just to show us Star Wars again, but to pause it. And he was like demonstrating the pause button. And I was going, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Even though the pause was like really jittery and really kind of, it was not, you know, like yeah. a, a screenshot. It was just weird. Um, and so really actually thinking about it, because I missed out on Star Wars, I was too late, but Empire Strikes Back, that's when I knew um, that there were going to be more of these. And so that was probably one of the most exciting moments, but certainly being a little bit older when I discovered that there was more than one Police Academy film, mm. um, I was delighted. <laughs> Which one's your favourite? Do you know, I, I for some reason, I, I want to... They all mold together. Yeah, I, I couldn't really tell you the difference between... I mean, Citizens on Patrol is always something that... Uh, I, 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 was that the first one? No, that might have been the second. I, oh, I'm not sure. But Police Academy 4, for some reason, strikes me as a title I know really well. Mm. So I guess I watch that one a lot. Citizens on Patrol sticks out for me as well. Whenever someone says Police Academy, that's always what I think of. Yeah, and you immediately hear that Citizens on Patrol. Yeah. And the sort of the the super cool... I mean, looking back at it, it clearly wasn't very cool. Um, but it seemed to a kid watching in 1980s Loughborough to be absolutely... I mean, I managed to meet... What's his face? Um, oh, Michael, um, the guy who makes all the noises. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. And um, yeah, I can't. But I was able to do a thing. I was hosting. Was I hosting? Or was I doing? I was doing something on Radio Four, and I had to interview him. And I took. There was lots of other guests, and I took little bits of all their books and wrote it down and asked him to provide the sound effects uh, as we wow. went. And so I got a live sort of scripted performance from Brilliant. from him. Um, and uh, yeah, he. Uh, but I loved um, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Um, I, I, you know, Zed, I think that was his name in the movies. Yeah. And, um, and, and Carrie Mahoney as well, you know, Steve Gutenberg, who um, I recently contacted and, um, and asked if he'd come on my podcast. And um, he said, yes. Wow. So at some point I'm going to, I'm, at some point <laughs> I'm going to speak to the man who had the the classic sort of 80s Californian film star body where, when when they were allowed hair, like hairy, yeah, yeah, yeah. hairy pecs, and they were all glistening and smiling on a beach and wearing tiny shorts. Um, so I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, to, to meeting him one Fantastic. day. Fantastic. He was a massive star in the 80s, wasn't he? Huge. He was Free Men and Little Baby, yeah. Cocoon, this. He was, he was the main guy. He was. He was kind of like the cheeky everyman, the boy next door. Mm. Um, but still had that kind of, you know, that kilowatt smile. Um, you remember that from the, the sort of the 80s, Harrison Ford's smile. My God, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a straight man, um, but it makes me go weak at the knees when he, when he, when he knows what he's doing as well. He, knows, he yeah. knows the power of that smile. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, is, please tell me, is that a mission to Moscow and something to Miami? Is that how desperate they got towards the end? Yeah, I think, I think they just thought, oh, I don't know what to do now. We've sort of done this. Let's just <laughs> set it in a different city and maybe have like angry Russians or um, or women in bikinis. Yeah. If they came back with a Police Academy 8, whatever mm -hmm. it is now, with the same cast, would that interest you? Oh. Would you get excited for that? I don't know whether I'd prefer to leave it in the 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, they'd all be quite old now for um, mm. inept police officers. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see their career progressions. Who is now, you know, um, Lassard, uh, you know, who's now the, the, the captain or whatever. <laughs> I'd, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it would be That'd quite be interesting great. just to see if they are, uh, now they've grown up, now they're older, if they are still just as useless as they were back then. Yeah. Have they learnt any laws? Yeah. Have they, you know, have they made any successful arrests? Um, so who knows? Uh, Guttenberg would have to be chief, wouldn't he? Yes, come on. Yeah. Uh, no, with, with, I think Kim Cattrall would be yeah, chief, surely. Be uh, yeah, that's true as well. God, yeah, she was in it as well. Yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. I think I fell in love with her a little bit on that. One. I think everyone you did. Know, it's it's <laughs> it's just human yeah. nature. But um, but no, yeah. So the Police Academy films, you know, were were they they were just great sort of um, repeat watches. So, what is your pick for best ever sequel in your eyes? Well, best best ever sequel. Um, and and by the way, the, the, on the day that we're recording this, they just announced that um, they're bringing back. Well, at least doing a pilot of Quantum Leap. Oh, really? Which oh, I've yeah, not man. seen that, but that's very exciting. Hugely exciting. Um, and uh, that for me was just like 
Wednesday nights, BBC Two, nine o'clock, I think, five past nine, maybe. Just um, the adventures of, 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 of Sam Beckett. And um, it just seemed like the most exciting premise. Mm. Like, where, where's he going to end up this time? Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting off the topic. The best ever sequel, as you know, is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Brilliant. Which um, I watched again over Christmas uh, to introduce my kids to uh, the world of Indiana. I didn't go for Raiders of the Lost Ark because of the Melty Man. Mm. I didn't go for Temple of Doom <laughs> because of the monkey brains and the pulling out of the heart. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think, what's the horrific thing that happens in Last Crusade and can I expose small children to it? And I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And, I, and they loved it. They loved it. Um, you know, um, one of my kids is five. He loved Indiana Jones. No, he's got no uh, real grounding in, um, you know, Nazism. Uh, not, that sounds like I've, I've raised the others in that ethos. <laughs> what, I, what I mean is um, he just knew they were bad guys. Um, uh, my little girl loved it and was just watching, you know, and um, the bit that really stuck out to them was the leap of faith mm. where, yeah. you know, he is a, it's an impossible thing for this man to do. And we've seen him bleed. We've seen him get bloodied and broken and bruised. And now we're asking him to do the impossible. But if he has faith, maybe he can do it. And that was a, a standout moment. From then, the film gets quite magical and strange. And there's an old... Arthurian knight who's 100 million years old mm. and 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 things kind of get you know uh, there's the moment where Sean Connery is magically healed um and I, I guess there's a sort of a tonal shift then when it becomes um something something bigger but the reason I wanted to show it to them is um I just think it's it's the best of the Indiana Jones films and it's brilliant because of Sean Connery as much as anything, yeah. who I'd never mm. seen do a comic role. And not only is he this uh, very funny character with everything kind of delivered perfectly, but he's the only person we've seen who can put Indiana Jones in his place and turn our hero into a little boy again. Mm. Um, yeah. When I saw the Indiana Jones films, I told my dad very seriously that he was from now on to refer to me as Indy. <laughs> Um, which lasted maybe three quarters of an hour. Brilliant. Um, but but watching Indiana Jones for the first time in the Loughborough Curzon, I remember being kind of blown away by, like it had never occurred to me that there was there were kind of origin stories. Um, you just accepted Indiana Jones for who he was. Mm. When you saw him in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you were like, well, this is just a super cool the guy with his hat and his whip. And the twist is that he's also, you know, uh, uh, a kind of straight down the line uh, teacher. Mm, teacher. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, you sort of wonder what his holidays are, you know, how he's managed to get so much holiday uh, from, from <laughs> this university. Terrible teacher, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> awful. Like, can <laughs> I have my so dissertation marked, please? Oh, no, sorry, I'm in, yeah. <laughs> in Cambodia. Yeah. Or... <laughs> Why is there blood on this, you know? Um, you never saw him do marking, you know? You also get beaten up on a, on a, on a ferry or something, a ferry, a boat. <laughs> Um, but, but never having to go downstairs and do the marking. But but in um, Last Crusade, obviously it starts with um, young Indy. Mm. And you're like, oh, my God, of yeah. course he was a young guy and it was at a different time. And um, and you find out how he got the scar. You find out why he's scared of snakes. And there's one moment when it still, for me, hadn't clicked, I suppose, the first time I saw it, that this was young Indiana Jones, where you see who you think is Indiana Jones. Mm. And it's a, a guy, I think with a whip, but certainly with a, a, a hat. And then yeah. you realize that's not, that's not Indiana Jones. That's a, <gasps> the kid's Indiana Jones. And it all starts to, you start to realize how he became who he was. And of course you find out how he got his name. And for me, that was just magic as, as a kid, discovering all these things about yeah. Uh, the character that I'd never, never questioned before, and of course, it's uh, a good guy punching Nazis, yeah, which is always brilliant. I was always exactly brilliant. the same as you. Five years old, all I wanted to be was Indiana Jones or an yeah. or an archaeologist, and, for, and my dad had yeah. to sit me down and explain to me what an archaeologist actually was, and that you didn't <laughs> yeah. get a hat and a whip and go on adventures. You you got a no. brush and you had to sit in a trench and and, and brush dust off of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, you'll largely be digging holes in fields and wells. Yeah, sort of took the shine off it slightly never became either <laughs> yeah. indiana jones or an archaeologist you know didn't didn't happen oh well there's, there's still, still time, time. there's still, there's still time, time. <laughs>
I don't, I don't know what it says about me, but I always wanted to be his sidekick because I was more interested in like round trip. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, yeah. I was like, that's the role I can do. Short that's rounds, the role yeah. I can see myself. <laughs> Short <laughs> round. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, re- I remember very vividly watching um, Temple of Doom and loving Short Round. And I wanted him to be my brother. I, wa- yeah. I just thought we'd have such fun together. Mm. Um, and that never happened either. No, no. Where's he now? Yeah, where is he now? It's in Goonies, wasn't he? And then. Yes. He is in a new film with Michelle Yo. Yeah. It's coming out. I can't remember the name of it. But it's, it's, it looks absolutely insane. It's going to be a, like. Um, oh, I know the one you mean. Su- um, Sundance and uh, South by Southwest. Well, there's like a, there's like an infinite number of Michelle Yeos, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. he's in that. Wow. Because I was watching the trailer, I was like, <laughs> short round. That's, wow. that's data. Great. Yeah, data, of course, of course. Brilliant. When you were young and you saw it the first mm-hmm. time, had you already seen the other two Indiana Joneses? So you knew what you kind of going into. Yeah, I think I probably saw Temple of Doom first. Um, and yeah. then maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark was on TV and I recorded it and watched it a billion times. I remember watching it with my uncle and auntie from Switzerland um, to whom video technology was still a mysterious art and watching it. And when, you know, the bad guy melts at the end, I just remember the absolute horror <laughs> um, on their faces. They, they'd never seen anything like it. Um, you know, Swiss TV at that stage was pretty pedestrian. I remember from going yeah. over there, it was largely um, cycling races or these nightly shows where people play the accordion and yodel. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, <laughs> but it was it was true. Um, and it's all just shot in a big, imagine Noel's house party, except it's just people playing the accordion. <laughs> and then the camera just goes through and it's all just um, big um, men with beers sitting at tables, Brilliant. glancing at the camera and nodding. And it was that like, interminable for hours. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, I don't know if they thought they were watching a documentary, but certainly at that moment, um, there was uh, sheer horror. <laughs> Uh, on their faces. Um, at one point, Noel's House Party did make it to Switzerland. I think it was on something like BBC World, and my grandma used to phone us because she'd caught an episode, and she just kept saying, what a lovely house he's got. <laughs> um, because I think she just thought it was like those Swiss shows. Brilliant. <laughs> what, did, what did she think of Mr Blobby? Uh, I don't know what her take on Blobby was. I do remember that sometimes she'd phone up and Mr Bean might be on, and instead of saying you know hello how are you she would just spend the full half hour describing what mr bean was doing and absolute my grandma used to laugh to the point of peeing herself twice it happened in public it was brilliant and we all just we all just found it even funnier there was no shame it was just yeah. like yeah that happened um, and um with mr bean she'd just be going um oh now now he's got a fish out of his pocket and we're, we're all like yeah we've all seen this but we just listened to it um describing it so it's like the audiobook of mr bean Brilliant. um dictated by an 80 year old swiss woman <laughs> i would listen to that i would definitely listen to, if you can record that i would i would definitely listen uh, yeah, that's an, that'd be an audio audible bestseller that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that would be good so, so have you um have you have your kids been asking to watch the other ones yet um, my eldest has seen um, Raiders. I, I played in that first, and then Temple of Doom, and um, he's seen Last Crusade twice now. Um, but I'm I'm yet to face, you know, the you know where I'm yeah, going with this. Yeah, thing. yeah, we're we're yet, and you know, to be fair to it, the fourth Indiana Jones film, although many denied exists, I only saw it on on a plane, and I'm Perfect. I'm never sure whether the filmmaker sets out thinking this will be brilliant on an eight inch screen mm. with loads of background noise and um, all the rest of it. So perhaps I haven't given it the chance I should have. Um, but no, I haven't even, I haven't even told them it exists. I, oh, I watched it in a really nice cinema and it didn't make it any better. So, <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. I still got to the, still got to the point where I thought, Oh, so you can survive a nuclear war by the, you know, nuclear, nuclear explosion by hiding in a fridge. How, how do yeah. know this? I don't know, but maybe that's what gave Boris so many ideas. You know, for uh, if you can if you can escape if you can escape a nuclear bomb, you can escape the press. Well, he did try and lock himself in a fridge once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. exactly. Same idea, idea isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, are you looking forward to the fifth one? Got I am. Right. I am looking forward to the fifth one. Um, I think that. Sometimes um, with sequels, there's a slight misstep and that's good in a sense because some time passes and they go, oh, do you know what? Actually, the things that make this great Mm. are, and and it's only by exposing 
exposing uh, that or trying the you know to to stray from it slightly that you that you discover that so i think that um you know i've been looking at the pictures they've been shooting in britain phoebe waller bridges uh, is in it who just has that kind of classic look and um will fit into um that era perfectly hmm. um and so yeah i am i am looking forward to it i just think you know harrison ford is uh, there's a video somewhere of him uh, he'd never seen something i think he'd never seen raiders of the lost ark and they play it to him and he just sits there and watches it and um is wonderfully grumpy about it <laughs> I loved it. I thought that. you were going to say, and he yeah. really loved it for a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he did, but maybe he's playing up to his uh, his grumpiness. But um, I remember seeing it. I haven't seen it since. I'm not. Yeah, it definitely exists. Brilliant. He's, uh, he was an excellent man in the in the eighties. Was he your hero then? Harrison yeah, Ford? yeah. Um, I would say so. He was just so cool, and I think that I was thinking about this for you know. Um, the, the the podcast I do is where men talk about their bodies, and sometimes we talk about the first body that we sort of noticed where we went, oh, that's what a man is. Mm, yeah. And for me, it was Harrison Ford on that rope bridge, wearing you know, with, with he's tanned, he's fit, muscular, sweaty, um, um, but not like he's not Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um, he's um, <clears throat> he's like if your dad really, really trying to get into shape um except with you know marvelous genetics on his side as well yeah and and once again that smile mm. and um yeah i just think he's that classic you know you can draw lines from like Cary grant and to harrison ford to whoever these days clooney in the mm. 90s maybe and then timothy, timothy chalamet today chalamet or or or, or, or your bradley cooper's mm. you know things like oh, that yeah. the, the kind of the film star twinkle so, um, so yeah, I think that um, he, yeah, he was my idea of uh, of of man, yeah, and the confidence yeah. as well. It's the confidence of, of Harrison Ford. Yeah. the best lines are all ad- all his best lines are ad libbed, aren't they? They're you know, it's quite famous. Is that so, right? Yeah, oh yeah, especially in Star Wars, he kind of famously said to George oh, Lucas, "You can to, yeah. you can write this shit, George, but you can't say it." And then yes. decided to change all his lines, but. It, Oh, well, good the best line in uh, in Last Crusade is for me is when he throws the guy out of the the airship and then turns to the couple and goes, "No ticket." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. That's yeah, ad-libbed. Yeah. Like that's not scripted. Yeah. Was it? And that's oh, wow. That's <laughs> that got a big laugh over Christmas. Yeah, yeah. and 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 even um, as a kid, the the first Star Wars figure I was I chose. Um, uh, my mum got back late from a trip once, and she brought me Boba Fett. And it was before I really knew what Star Wars was. And um, one day I, I was taken out by my f- friend and her mum. And we went and my mum said it was okay for me to get a toy. And so this lady said, you choose your Star Wars figure or whatever. And I chose Han Solo. Um, and uh, I was just so excited. His clothes were just cool. He was yeah. just the coolest. Yeah. And uh, even though the face looked nothing like Harrison Ford, probably due to licensing. Um, I just remember uh, just playing with that Han Solo. I had a Han Solo, I had a bad guy, I had um, a Boba Fett, and then I had to make them work by living in a little Playmobil chalet um, <laughs> that my gave me. And um, they were all um, hanging around there. There was a sticker. I just remember this. There was a sticker that just said Simon and Garfunkel. So I guess they were big Simon and Garfunkel fans, Han Solo, the bad guy, and Boba Fett, all living in a little chalet together. <laughs> Listening to the sound of silence. Brilliant. I mean, there's a sitcom right there, Danny. <laughs> yeah, all right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Fantastic. I'm sure that Disney Plus will be like, I'll sign that one up. Yeah. <laughs> the second season of Boba Fett, where it is the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. When you watched it, did you know who Sean Connery was at the same point? You like, that's Bond with Indiana Jones kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was aware of, um, of of Sean Connery, but he'd always had, you know, that, that kind of dry wit. And in this, he was bumbling. Um, he was bumbling, awkward. Um, you know, he was an academic. Mm. My dad was an academic, and so he found that very funny. Um, yeah. And so did I. And it was just that that dynamic because I wanted to be indie, and so I could see my dad in, you know, Doctor Jones Senior. Yeah. And um, and and yeah, and he just played it perfectly. So yeah, so for me, that is, you know, there isn't a better sequel than that one. What is your pinnacle sequence from Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade? What's your favourite point? Um, I suppose the one that the one I remember being excited about in the cinema and laughing 
and being like that's cool is when there's there's some kind of motorcycle chase and and the bad guys are really bearing down and it's indiana jones saving his dad who's in the sidecar of yeah, this yeah. Um, rickety thing and them having to come up with ingenious ways of of getting rid of nazis and um and it's also it's that thing of you know you want your dad to be proud of you and in that moment i was I'd identify with indy i suppose and because his dad hasn't really seen him do all this mad action stuff before mm. And he's shocked by it, and he gets involved as well with his umbrella. Yeah. So yeah, so I think there was there's just something wonderful about the father and son dynamic there that that really appealed to me. They are so good. Their chemistry is so good in that film. Yes. Yeah, it's it amazing. really is. You're in good company as well because we had uh, the only other person to choose uh, Last Crusade was Helen O'Hara. The she's a brilliant oh, right. film critic and author. She writes for Empire Magazine, and uh, yeah, oh, well, she chose it in our first episode. She's there's a, a yeah, so you're really good company there. Well, then I'm clearly a yes, genius. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's see if you can carry this on. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Tinder. You matched, chatted, vibe checked. Now it's time to meet IRL. So what's stopping you? Tinder is making dating safer and easier with their excellent safety features. Like Share My Date, the best way to let your friends know your plans. While Noonlight allows you to discreetly call emergency services. And Are You Sure will prompt people to think twice before sending a potentially harmful message. Explore all of the possibilities for yourself. It starts with a swipe. Download Tinder today. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. What is your most disappointing sequel? So not your worst sequel, mm-hmm. but one you thought you got in with high hopes and you came out and you're like, ah. Well, the greatest film of all time, as has been established already on this uh, podcast, is Ghostbusters. Um, it is, so, it is. So is this your worst or most disappointing or is it both? Well, Ghostbusters is the greatest film of all time. Therefore, (laughs) Ghostbusters 2 was always going to be up against it. And I had huge high hopes um, for Ghostbusters 2. And I was willing it, willing it in that cinema seat to be absolutely brilliant. I was convincing myself it kind of was, but it wasn't. Um, What I loved so much about Ghostbusters, because when it was first pitched, it was going to be set in the future and it was going to be mad and it was going to be incredibly expensive and Ivan Reitman the director he ended up going you know what this is this is a film about three men starting a small business and immediately it was grounded in that kind of reality so the tone of it was okay look you're gonna have to go with this a bit but there's loads of ghosts but it was kind of real New York the characters felt real. They had to talk about, you know, uh, remortgaging things. Um, you know, it's it's obviously the the performances are heightened, but they're also quite subtle. You really believe that Ray really believes. Egon, you get, you know, um, Pete Venkman, uh, despite you know looking back on it now and seeing he's slightly morally dubious when it comes to women. Um, he, uh, you know. <laughs> He's willing to torture a man um, in order to get close to a woman barely out of her teens. Um, he's, he's a little creepy with uh, Dana. Um, but if you remove that, just his wit, the coolness of it. I mean, these were the these were people at the height of their powers coming off the biggest show on TV, Saturday Night Live, and they are putting their efforts into, into this brilliant idea. And... Um, for me, it was it was it was just absolute perfection. And when Ghostbusters two came out, which was some years later, I think, um, I feel that they were going like, "Yeah, remember, you all love that film, so let's have loads of fun with this one." And um, and that's cool, but I wanted it to feel as real as the first one did, and not to be um, 
so sort of silly at times uh, with the river, river of slime or the dancing toaster i felt like we'd done that with the giant uh, statue of liberty i felt like that's not as good as the stay puff marshmallow man mm. it felt to me like the the tone had had shifted away from what i what i really loved that idea that you know i, I if it had been um if it had been me um i think i would have loved to have seen the promise of the first moment when they come up with the idea for Ghostbusters to have come true. When Bill Murray or Pete Venkman goes, the franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs> That's where I wanted Ghostbusters 2 to go. I wanted there to be franchises of Ghostbusters all over the country, all over the world, a bit like Subway. Mm. And there's some problem with that, you know, and there's huge teams of Ghostbusters out there. And, and instead, we find them in a world where um, they've been forgotten or they're now ridiculed or they're playing children's parties. And immediately I didn't buy that. I thought, how would the world have forgotten mm. about the massive supernatural event where the, you know, these guys are all Neil Armstrong. You know, they've done this one thing that's so incredible that they should be celebrated forever. Yeah. And instead yeah. they're down in their luck, you know, playing kids' parties, you know, and I, I feel like they didn't learn anything from... Winston, um, he had many more lines in the uh, original scripts, I believe, and then they were sort of slowly edited down. And um, Ernie Hudson has talked about his disappointment with what he'd been sold and what the character ended up being, and it felt like he was still sidelined. That's why I loved watching Ghostbusters Afterlife. It felt like I was like, they're giving Winston a lot of lines. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's good, yeah. because they, they're obviously going, yeah, we really messed up, it up there for before. It. Yeah. And I watched Afterlife with um, my kids over Christmas, and I also watched Ghostbusters, the original, and I watched um, the reboot, the 2016 reboot. And Ghostbusters still absolutely holds up, stands up. It's exactly the right length. Mm. There isn't that extra hangover of a half hour you get with so many films nowadays. I used to love three-hour films, and now I'm like, come on, <laughs> this is 90 minutes. Come on. Yeah. Um, and um, go, and Afterlife, I thought, I mean, you know, we all, it affected us um, on an emotional level. Yeah. Um, me and, um, we lost my dad almost a year ago. And with no spoilers involved, there's there's a lot of kind of um, good uh, emotion there that, um, that when I looked around and I had tears and I saw that my eldest and my second eldest were crying and we all knew why and um we yeah it was just it was quite cathartic but being able to do it through a, a, a fantastic film the only film that's had that effect on me uh in the last year or two is is surprisingly i was expecting nothing from it the animation onward oh right yeah. which um yeah. oh my god the pun i was so impressed by what they did with information they didn't give mm. you so they withhold stuff from you and then they release it at exactly the right moment to really stamp on your heart. Um, yeah. And that's real skill that they they manage there. So yeah, so Ghostbusters 2 was, was disappointing, but it's probably my fault because it meant so much to me, the original, mm. that I, I would sort of rather they just left that there, yeah. uh, I think. I really like that. So I, I love Ghostbusters too. I think it's I, I really enjoy it. All oh, right, yeah. Um, and I yeah. I, like, I re really like listening to you as to why you don't because I think your your reasons for not liking it are really really are really valid are really valid. Um, and I actually kind of really like your idea of these franchise Ghostbusters. And that kind of always yeah. <laughs> that always felt wrong to me as a kid as well. It's like why are the Ghostbusters being forgotten? How come how do people don't know this amazing thing? They saved the world. Like why does no yeah. one believe them when they're saying it's happening again? What is this? It was all caught on yeah. tape, you know, there was film crews everywhere. <laughs> like, Sean, Sean in his episode came up with a great bit of like they're in court and they're they're telling you there's rivers of pink slime running through the sewers and nobody yeah. goes to look and goes, Oh yeah, they're right, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Um, it is, you know, I, I, it's probably if I watched it again, you know, I would probably be like, "This is fun. Come on." Um, it was just, I, I just think of that kid yeah. just sitting there. Um, I want to go into it this. Be the greatest thing ever. So, how old were you when you first saw Ghostbusters two? When I first saw Ghostbusters two, I would have been however old I was when it came out. I was immediately down to the nineteen eighty nine. Both your picks so far have been nineteen eighty nine. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was a big mm. year. 
um you know that cinema for me uh, you know right opposite the wimpy um uh, that's where i saw back to the future back to future two back to future three ghostbusters um i just moved to england and we were in this rental house and um i remember film whatever it was coming on the tv and they said oh no, no also uh supernatural uh, scary comedy uh it's coming out this year and um they played the trailer for ghostbusters and i was like that that is me that's it right there and feeling that moment of regret when i went in to watch it with my mum because it's quite spooky at the start mm. and alice the ghost uh, sorry the, the ghost in the library screams at alice the librarian and i was like this was a mistake I should not be here and I'm only at the very beginning of the film and it's already this frightening but then the music kicks in and you go I'm gonna be all right uh, it's safe it's gonna be fine so yeah and and leaving the cinema that night desperate to be a ghostbuster mm. um but also desperate never to see a ghost so I don't know how that would work <laughs> brilliant that's yeah, absolutely brilliant I did end up working for Ghost Call for a while in America which is Ivan Reitman's yeah. uh, uh production company and we were working on an idea that would have um being more about those franchises um, um and it was right after the uh the reboot came out and very slowly they had like four different things that they were doing and very slowly they started to be dropped mine was the last one to be dropped and it was like oh okay uh -oh. and then you know, then obviously his son was like come on i can do this yeah. yeah and um and he kept the legacy going with a brilliant film yeah can you give us any hints what your idea was it's always interesting well i'll just say i you know because i don't know if um you know, they make you sign all these things. Oh, yeah. um, they're very uh, protective of, of these things. But it, it's, it, it's, yeah, it was to do with um, a world in which the Ghostbusters were appreciated. Um, yeah. And there, there were franchises. But some franchises were better than others, let's say. Just in the same way that some subways are better than others. <laughs> yeah, true. And Wimpy's. Um, I've always wondered how it was always just focused on New York, because I always felt there was a bigger picture there. I mean, mm. ghosts must have been everywhere, must have mm. been mm -hmm. at that point. Um, I'm also like Rich. I do like Ghostbusters too, but I'm pretty sure that was Ghostbusters one and two was probably one of the first films I watched with my parents because they seem like that kind of tone that you could watch with a family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's there's jokes for there's jokes for everyone. So, um, so you you've showed your 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 family. You've showed one reboot and the new one. You haven't even mentioned there's a second Ghostbusters, or I don't think we've watched Ghostbusters two that together. The last time I watched it was because I chose Ghostbusters as my specialist chosen subject on Celebrity Master. Brilliant. Nice. Um, so I watched Ghostbusters 2. I watched as many of the animated um, uh, ones as I could. I was studying box office stats in Germany, <laughs> um, thinking they're going to ask me really obscure stuff here. And um, I only got one or two hard ones. So I, I did a lot of research into go. I mean, I bought a book and read about how they did the special effects. Um, so, yeah, there was, a, there was a, a lot of research went into that. Did you win? I got all correct with no passes. Oh. Um, but then um, my general knowledge subjects were what I would argue could not be considered general knowledge. <laughs> um, so I faltered somewhat. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Uh, is there any other sequels you really hate? You just really, really don't like? or um, Not that spring in me. Oh, well. Come on. I, I guess we could go down the diehard routes. Um, another absolutely perfect film mm. in Die Hard. I mean, the script must have been six pages long because I, you know, I, I, my kid, my eldest is is quite mature and I, I, I like watching what I consider classics with him. But I didn't realise that pretty much the whole script is just the F word. <laughs> um, and it, it might be, he might be behind a desk and he'll say it or he might be in a lift. It doesn't matter. That's all he says. Um <laughs> Apart from when it's the MF uh, word um, after uh, yippee ki -yay. So, um, but once you get over that and, you know, I trust my kid and he's not going to start saying all this stuff and, you know, leaping from behind desks at school, calling people these words. Um, but a perfect one. Die Hard 2, good. Um, and, uh, and then things changed. I remember being in Chicago and it was like the cold, I mean, it's the coldest place. And... Um, you had to be careful everywhere you walked because there were massive blocks of ice hanging from buildings and people were like, no, we don't walk there because these things fall. Um, and uh, I, I was so cold and I had a flight that night. I just thought, I'm just going to go to the cinema mm. because it's warm there. And I went to watch, um, 
I don't know, Die Hard 20. Um, uh, it was um, it was the one where Bruce Willis wasn't really the main character. There was another guy there, maybe his son-in-law. I don't know what. Uh, anyway, is five, it was. Is it five, Dave? Did was they go five? to Russia? Yeah, I think Russia was involved. Yeah, it's the fifth because it looked a lot warmer than Chicago. I remember that. <laughs> but um, but um, yeah, so and that's when I sort of lost a bit of interest with uh, mm. with Die Hard. Although yeah. I wish Bruce Willis all the best. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't care. Bruce, Bruce Willis is just in anything at the moment, isn't he? You know, it's like... Did you see him, though, recently on TV? He, You know, he just was accepting an award or something, and uh, he just went, there's a lot of controversy, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Well, no, it is not a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a fucking Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> and I thought, yes! yes. You're right. Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. But he's not wrong, <laughs> but it is also a Christmas film. <laughs> Fair enough, if I'm not getting into it. Not we can argue it. about that. Is there a sequel that you've been dragged to because the first one was so bad, but you actually liked the second one? Um, Not that I can think of. I think that probably you, as you get older, you start to realise that your time is quite precious. And, um, <laughs> and you're like, uh, I'm not, you know, like I can't imagine getting into any, I can't imagine the new Fast and Furious coming out. And me going, Fast and Furious 10, yes, please. Um, I haven't seen one to nine. And I don't imagine it's hard to pick up. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I saw something that looked quite interesting, Rise of the Foot Soldier, and it looked like uh, something that used to have no budget and has now been given a budget and might be worth looking at. And and I watched the trailer, I thought, I'd probably enjoy that. And then just thought, that's too late. You know, why? There's other things I can, you know... Mm. So, so no, probably. Oh, so you, you no animated movies that your kids have dragged you to. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, you, thought, you came out and you thought that was all right. Okay, I watched Boss Baby two the other day. There we and, go. And I was just like, this is what's happened here, <laughs> um, because all those films are so clever. You watch things like Encanto, mm. and um, even though. You're, you're like, oh, the song about Bruno is great. We don't talk about Bruno, no, it's no, catchy. no, no. And then you go, they only called him Bruno. So that they, could, <laughs> they could do that with a film. This whole thing's built on a lie. Um, uh, but you don't, you can't say that to the child, obviously. You can't go, this was actually probably reverse engineered to uh, the lyrics. Um, uh, takes the sheen off. Um, Frozen 2 I went to, and I thought was great. Um, and uh, so, I mean, but Boss Baby 2, no, no, no. It was so... Uh, um, uh, confusing, <laughs> strange, long, yeah, and um, the jokes didn't really land for me. And um, I noticed that my kids weren't, um, you know, entranced mm. by it. Or uh, yeah, Rich has that problem. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I've got a little boy, and uh, and yeah, yeah. It, sometimes you know when a film's not good because he'll just get, he'll just be like, no, no, <laughs> twenty minutes in. <laughs> yeah. So like Home Sweet Home Alone. We we tried watching that and uh, oh, we got, we got yeah, twenty minutes that. into that and he went, "This isn't Home Alone. I'm not watching it." <laughs> yeah, quite right. Well, that's he's, what all film reviews. He's not say. wrong. This is not Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, he wasn't wrong. It was bad. <laughs> we wanted to watch Home Alone too over Christmas, um, but uh, I don't know. We uh, we got into other things instead. We watched Ron's Gone Wrong, that's um, nice. which uh, yeah. I thought I thought was great, really great, and um, had a. Uh, so I felt like it had all the 80s vibes that I seem to be obsessed with talking to you um, now. But it had a sort of 80s teen vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, while at the same time, you know, had all the stuff that kids love, which is like, God, imagine if imagine if I could have my own little robot. Yeah. You know, imagine if it did do all these things. Imagine if it would just, you know, and it will date because, you know, um, in 10 years, they will have things that are much better than those robots mm. probably. But um but no, I thought that was good. But yes, Boss Baby 2 could do one. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. 
Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now for the the final question, which is the one we're all been waiting for. What is your dream sequel? Well, I was thinking about this, and um, I was thinking about some of the most perfect films that that you don't want a sequel for. Mm. I thought that was that's the way to approach it. And then, what's the one where you could go, oh, okay, no, but that one maybe. And I don't want a sequel for ET, um, for example, because. I know the ending of E.T. and it's perfect, yeah. like mm. for that. Although when you watch it again, it's incredibly slow um, and um, quite empty mm. um, and sparse. And the script is, and it feels like it's not been recorded properly at times. Um, and maybe that's my telly. But, <laughs> but, but, but when it builds and you have those magic moments, because yeah. you, often you think back to those magic moments, the, the crane kick in Karate Kid, you know, you watch it again, and in your head, that's a really, really long sequence, which just is just fantastic and common. In reality, it's like he goes to a karate tournament, uh, he, he kicks someone in the face, and then it's finished. And um, and it's and the whole thing lasts about two minutes. And you're like, I'm sure that was longer when I was, it was more magical. Um, apart from that, he's just like waxing cars. Um, so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, what's the one that I love that that I could see a sequel for with all these years that have passed? Because in my head, the sequel would come out now. And I think I would love to have Groundhog Day 2. Oh, yes. okay. And I would want to know what's happened to um, our lovely weatherman in, in all those times. Mm. How how that day, what th- that day taught him, and how he applied it to his life, and whether he whether he has tried to find a way of it happening again whether there are mistakes that he's made since that he would love to put right somehow yeah. relationships that he could fix if only he knew how to say the right thing but all delivered with that bill murray you know the the weariness and he would be even more weary mm. now um and um i think that he would he would i think it's a new york film because i think you need a huge cast of characters for a for a sequel like that. And I think that it has to be recognizable and city. And I think that it would strike a chord as well because we've all kind of for the last couple of years been living in a form of our own Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, and for Bill Murray to have that second chance to go out there and get angry with people as well and with no consequences whatsoever mm. and fix things um, where, where appropriate or, you know, realize maybe he's too stubborn these days or too set in his ways maybe he he wouldn't even realize if he was living a groundhog day because nothing in his life seems to ever change um and i think um it would be called groundhog day two um and it would be the tagline would be something like same day different shit (laughs) brilliant and uh, brilliant and then, and then that's what we'd see. I love the tagline. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well. They can have it. Yeah, that's wonderful. That, that needs with anyone listening. That needs to be made. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Make it now. Yeah, because Bill Murray's great. We still love him. Absolutely. I think he he enjoyed making that one, so he might come back for a sequel for it as well. Mm. That's the problem yeah. with Bill Murray. You're never quite sure what mood he's in. Yeah. Um, um, would you bring back Andy McDowell? Would they still be together, or would you have made them? Break I up. think she'd she'd have to have figured in it, but I think that yeah, I think that probably they'd have broken yeah. up. Um, 
almost immediately <laughs> because she would realise that, well, he's, he's making a lot of mistakes all of a sudden, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem to know how to deal with anyone. Go back and redo all this stuff. Yeah, because he's, <laughs> yeah, he's not being given five hundred chances to say the right thing. Um, so yeah, so he's he's probably quite a different person to her <laughs> a day later. But um, you know, I just I'd like to see him solo. He's probably got you know got a, 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 a son or a daughter or both, but he's living on his own, and um, he's quite happy to be a curmudgeon. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like the idea of him being annoyed that he can't get back to redoing stuff to make things better as well. Yeah. Quite like that kind of like because he he yeah. sort of hated being in the loop when he was in it, and then kind of missing it now that he's not. I like that kind of premise. Yeah, because he was given the magic yeah. key. Um, it's just that it came at a cost. It's like you can come in, but you may never leave. Here's the here's the key. Here's everything you want. You've got as many chances as you want. Mm. You can read everything in the world, learn about everyone in the world, be the most popular person in the world, or be an absolute idiot. It doesn't matter because tomorrow you'll still have that knowledge, but you can do whatever you like yeah. again. Yeah. And now he's living in a world of consequence, and um, and and he wants to be the guy who can act with no consequences. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So he turns up every year at that event. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah. The ground. Yeah, he, he would always turn out. up, but something would happen in New York and then he wakes up and then or maybe he finds it. Oh, I'll tell you what, maybe he finds a classic golden oldie station. He's listened to every other radio station in, in the world. Yeah. And it and then at 6 a.m. or whatever that morning, uh, you hear Sonny and Cher. Yeah. And then he wakes up and he knows it's happened it's again. Happened again. Brilliant. Smile on his face. Have you yeah. seen, there's a film called Palm Springs. Immediately jumps out the window. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a recent film called Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. Yeah. They, that kind of yeah. has the principle of Groundhog Day, essentially. That's but true. But in a way that they kind of they kind of treat it in a much more depressed kind of fashion of like, yeah. what is this hell I am stuck in? Um, yeah. I watched half of it and then I was really enjoying it, but it was very late and I thought, I'll watch the rest of that and then I forgot. It's um, worth watching, definitely. But, um, it's very yeah. It was very good what I watched. Yeah, J.K. Simmons is really good in it as being a guy who's kind of been forced into this loop by Andy Samberg's character and is incredibly so pissed mm. off about oh, it. Yeah. He just kills him randomly whenever he gets the opportunity. <laughs> just... That's right. I uh, tell you what. Then let's not do Groundhog Day two. <laughs> let's do Boss Baby three. <laughs> no. <laughs> And you know they will anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they definitely will. Yeah, but uh, the Groundhog Day two sounds great. I would, yeah, I would, I'd pay money to go and see that definitely. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love Bill Murray. I think he's a genius. Yeah, but him turning up in any movie is always a highlight for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Or even in, in interviews, he did a good uh, interview with Jimmy Kimmel recently. That made me. Laugh. Oh, did he? I when he had, that. when he had, he was where he was filming a latest Wes Anderson film, but he had like two translators that I had to go through to get to him. <laughs> And then he would he would answer it, and then they would go back to the translators, and then oh, go back weird. to Jimmy Kimmel, and it went on for about twenty minutes, and it was only like two questions. But that's great. You could my, tell he um, was enjoying it. My um, when I, uh, I I joined the BBC when I was in my early twenties, and I had um, a mentor called John Pigeon, and um, he was just fantastic, and he had all these stories that always made you think: Is John mad, um, or has he had these lives? You know, um, where he'd be on like tour with the the faces in 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 Dundee with Rod Stewart and you're like is that true and then he was telling me about how he um I think he'd been working for the NME and he went to interview Michael Jackson hmm. at the height of his uh powers wow and and again I was like is this real but then he played me the recording and it is he was allowed to interview Michael Jackson at uh, Neverland I think mm. but only if Janet Jackson or maybe Latoya sat between them and John had to ask her the question, and then she would repeat it and ask Michael, <laughs> and then Michael would respond. Wow. And um, John just had to go along with it and be like, okay, yeah, absolutely. And he was just this sort of this English English journalist, quite suave, just having to be like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing this then. And, um, yeah, so people have unusual ideas. But at least Bill Murray did it for comic effect. <laughs> yeah, for a laugh. <laughs> Well, let's get on and, and make Groundhog Day 2, please. Absolutely. I mean, or p potentially Yes Man 2. I mean, that's kind of a... <laughs> yeah, he could say he could say no to everything and just sit <laughs> in his could, house. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like lockdown. <laughs> yeah, it's basically lockdown, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been doing for two years. 
And those were Danny Wallace's Unequal Sequels. What a cracking end to the series. Oh, man. That voice is the most radio-friendly voice I've had to deal with. Yeah. Incredible. Perfect. Perfect. What a gent. What an yeah. absolute gent. Um, thank you, Danny, for giving us your time. He's a, very, he's a very busy man. And we're very lucky to get an episode in with him. And it was great. And his picks, Rich. Interesting. It's like our take on Ghostbusters 2. Oh. Worst sequel, really? <laughs> but everything he said, I found myself agreeing with it. Yeah. I was like, that, yeah, yeah there are problems with the film. I mean, I still love Ghostbusters 2. And we both yeah. said it. So, yeah. you know... No one can accuse us of just pandering to our guest. Got in there, like, you're wrong. But yeah, he was also right. His information about his what he wanted from a future Ghostbusters, the, yeah. the, the fact that he worked for a while developing Ghost yeah. developing something at Ghostbusters that he couldn't really tell us. We did try, mm. ladies and gentlemen. We did um, try, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. It's re- If you want to listen to last week's episode where Dave from the New Mini Cinema talks about it being his best sequel, and this is... <laughs> it's it's a contrast. I find it fascinating, especially <laughs> when I was editing. His, also, his, his, yeah, oh, such a, his best pick was Indiana Jones. All of his, his stories were so delightful and lovely. I think yeah. I would describe this episode as like a, a warm hug a little bit. Mm. Because the story's about his grandparents and he's watching films with his kids and uh, especially Ghostbusters Afterlife talking about he's just lost his dad. Oh, everything I want this podcast to be, basically. It's, it's funny. It was hilarious. Moving. It was so good. It was so good. I think we can let uh, fans and listeners know that that is com- accidental on our half, how that happened over the course of two seasons. <laughs> How do you mean? It was meant to be just about films. It was. <laughs> it was just meant to be about movies. And it turns out movies bring out a lot of emotions. Who would have known? That's great. And his dream pick, Groundhog yeah, Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Which, I can't, it's obvious now. It's a, it's a little bit like Face Off last, last week with the Cinema Mile. Mm. As soon as he said it, I was like, of course it is. You know, a it's just one of those ones where of course that's your dream sequel you know that's a a great shout I love how people sit and think about things like this for us not just for our pod but things that they come up with they've been thinking about for a while most of the time absolutely and I like how different it is so some people come on and they've got a fully formed pitch for the movie they want to make and some people come on just going I just wanted more of this and this is what I love about it and I like that difference you know, you get different ideas from different people. You know, that's that's really nice. And he was an absolute gen. Yeah, it was it was a brilliant podcast. We really enjoyed it, and what a wonderful way to end series two, because this oh. is the last episode of series two. Yeah, this is it. I can't, I can't believe I can sleep we've now. got through two series. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, don't worry, because not only have we got a best of. We've got a best of series two coming next yep. week, so you can get all the best bits that you might have missed from this series. All our all our best bits were our favourite guests, but also we've got all of our bonus, all our extra episodes that are still going to carry on on Fridays. So all those nice little half hour snippets, yeah. and and we'll be back with series three before you know it. We don't know when yet. Well, well apparently, Rich we sort of do. <sighs> well, I would say what. March, April time, we'll be back. I would say early April, yeah. <laughs> Basically, as soon as we get people recorded, we'll put them up. But the hard work starts yeah. now, Rich. Yeah, this is this is where we do all the work, you see. So in between the two seasons, that's when we record. That's where we record with everybody. Yep. And then we so we don't rec- we're not recording with the the intro the uh, interviews while we're putting the the season out. We try not to anyway. That's idea anyway. Yeah, that's the idea. Doesn't always work, but hey, there we go. If you love what you've heard today, and why would you not? And it's your first time listening to us. Maybe you're a big Danny Wallace fan, and you just thought you'd tune in um, and and listen to him, and you think actually it's quite a nice podcast. I'll go back and listen to the rest. Really do that. There have been some brilliant guests. Go back and listen to the rest of the season. Go back and listen to season one. There's some great guests on season one that you really, really need to go back and listen to. There are some fantastic episodes on there. You can also keep listening to all our extra episodes. 
click on that little subscribe Ooh, button yeah. and they'll just drop drop there automatically for you in whichever platform it is you use to get your podcasts. Click that little button, we'll be there. Whilst you're clicking that button, give us a little five stars, give us a little like and a little heart with your subscription and you know, we'll just love you forever and give you loads of hugs. Yeah. Because you know, that's the kind of guys we are. You can also find us on social media. Uh, so we're at Unequal Sequel on Twitter and on Instagram and you can also send, also send us an email at uh, we're Unequal Sequel at Hotmail.com and I can't believe I've got that email address right for the whole series I mean bravo sir bravo yeah <laughs> uh, please stick with us we have got some big things coming in the future we've got some extra oh, yes. extra extra extras we've got some ideas that we can't wait to roll out all the bots roll out that one's for you, Rich. Because see, see, it's catching. It's now catching. it's the end. I can actually say we. I put a, there was a ban on Rich not to mention Transformers much this year because he couldn't help himself. I and mean, mate, you did really well. I know, right? I haven't yeah, mentioned Transformers really, in about really well at least two months. <laughs> I tell you what, in season three, you can mention them again. Woo! But I'm going to ban you not talking about something else. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Fair enough. Have you got anything else to say? Until next week. No, I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you very soon. Yeah, I've got nothing else to say. So uh, it's a bye bye from me. Bye bye. And a bye bye from him. Bye. Have a great week. Thank you so much. See you later. Mm-hmm.